Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Did you know that almost half of our kids have been exposed to sexting by the time they are 14 and that number continues to grow? As a mom of a 15-year-old daughter, it scares me. That's why I've invited Sean Clifford, CEO and founder of Canopy, to join me today. A father of four young children, Shun founded Canopy in 2019 to protect children from pornography and help families take advantage of what's good about the internet without the bad. Sean is going to teach us how to help our teens navigate tech safely. Welcome, Sean. I'm happy you could join us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So tell us, first of all, how, what inspired you to start Canopy? Well, it was sometime after I had my second child, I was actually doing a big project for a tech company and just realized the profound ways that technology was shaping all of us, but especially kids. Mm -hmm. And in envisioning what it would be like to raise my own kids, just the, the two at that time, in this age saturated by devices with all the exciting things and all of some of the problematic things, um, I started to think, gosh, we've got to figure this out. Um, and in talking to my wife uh, about what playbook we, we would use, uh, we realized quickly that there's no playbook. This is brand new, right? Mm-hmm. My parents did not have to teach me how to use uh, technology, whether the devices or the social media platforms or things like that, because it did not exist. So I wanted to make sure that both for my own family, but then also for uh, everyone else out there, that we had both the guidance and also the tools to go forward. And we're pro-tech. We want this. We think there's some incredible, exciting things. We just need to make sure that we're living with it uh, within proper boundaries. That is so important to to really indicate, too. It's not about taking tech away, right? Because it's not going away. Um, It's about how do we help our kids stay safe on it? So what are some suggestions you have? I I have a lot of um, parents with teenagers that whose kids are, well, including my own, who are, you know, connected to their devices. And how do we know that they're safe on there? Gosh, it's hard. Four things that I always try and recommend to parents. The first is you have to prepare yourself to understand what's out there. And I know it's hard and it's constantly shifting, um, but the world has changed. And I'll give you the one example that is closest to what we try and do at Canopy. Uh, For a lot of parents, when they think of pornography, they think of Playboy. And Playboy was problematic, um, but compared to what is out there today, it looks like a church bulletin newsletter. Mm. Um, And they encounter incredibly uh, graphic, violent, dark content that's instantly accessible on the internet uh, through things like Pornhub. And so understanding what's out there and that it is different, I think is the first step. So parents can then actually try to understand that they need to take a different approach in, uh, in equipping their kids. The second thing is you have to make sure your kids understand. And here, and I know for teenagers in particular, this is hard, right? For, for my kids who are young now, my oldest is nine, I can adopt measures uh, and they kind of go with it because uh, they're still young. My daughter's starting to question, but um, right. I still have a little bit of, of time there. For teenagers, when they are questioning everything, I always recommend parents lean into that. Um, and I'll give you a couple examples. Um, 
much of what you encounter online today has been uh, designed by some of the brightest minds of the age to capture your attention and manipulate you to do things that they want you to do. And if that sounds nefarious, uh, you know, go watch the movie Social Dilemma, go read <laughs> the expose on Facebook or TikTok, right? These have been engineered to hack your cognitive vulnerabilities. And kids who have this, especially teenagers, this rebellious nature, if they understand that they're trying to be manipulated, I think that helps them uh, press forward and be like, okay, what, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. I think the second thing that I would say in terms of preparing them is give them the vocabulary to understand. And this, uh, my wife's a neuroscientist, so this is where I geek out, uh, apologies in advance, but um, there's a difference between being satisfied, which is getting dopamine firing in your brain mm-hmm. and being really content. And you want your kids to be content and your kids want to be content. They want that sense of fulfillment where they can be just happy. The satisfied comes when someone likes a post or you have a little bowl of ice cream or there's all these things out there that make you satisfied, but they're empty. And the more you pursue that, the more it actually blocks your ability to be really happy. And so equipping kids with that, a lot of kids are unhappy Mm -hmm. uh, with the way their devices make them feel. If they can put rhetoric behind that and vocabulary and they understand it, I think it's the first step to them taking different, uh, different approach to tech. Third thing that I always suggest is protect them, right? You have to understand the internet is the wild west. That's exciting. There's a lot of incredible things out there. There's also a lot of toxicity. And it used to be you had to work hard to find pornographic content. Now it finds you. Mm-hmm. Average age of exposure is somewhere between 8 and 11. Um, 60% of first exposure is accidental. It is out there. You can have the best kid who's not even seeking it out and it finds them. So make sure you put something like Canopy or another uh, tool out there so that you're not stumbling across this stuff. And then the the fourth thing is you need to have good habits in place. Prepare, mm-hmm. prepare your whole family. So these are things like don't allow tech in the bedroom. And I know that's hard, um, but it's not good for anyone. Uh, your device should go to bed before you do and wake up after you. Um, we have rules in our household, no phones at the table ever. It's just a standing rule and it is so hard to enforce. But if you are rigid about that, it actually leads to some incredible fun conversations mm-hmm. and things that I think we all want. So those are the four, I know it was a long winded, but no, those are, those are great. And I, I kind of want to go back a little bit because there's a few of them I'd love to dig into deeper. So one of them is really about, you know, the having the right words to describe it, right? So really having that to be able to talk about it. What are some of the things that you've seen are kind of difficult for parents to talk about? And what do you have advice? I know when it comes to pornography, there's a lot of shame and worry. How do we talk about that? Gosh, it's uh, so hard to talk about. I think it's always been hard to talk about. I think it will always be hard to talk about. And so the tact that we try and take is not to diminish the awkwardness because it's, I think at some level that's an impossible task, but rather to put that conversation in context. And there's two ways we do that. The first is your child is going to hear about sex and pornography and other things that you'd prefer not to discuss when they're young. Mm -hmm. Would you rather that they learn about that from you or from the internet, from some anonymous stranger who's out there who may have their own agenda and objectives in mind? And so however awkward it may be with you, it is infinitely better than them learning about that from a random internet search uh, or who knows what they, they may hear from some of these other social media platforms that are out there. So the first is just, you have to have it. The second is, uh, I'm a big believer, it's not one talk. It is mm-hmm. multiple conversations uh, beginning when they're young. Again, 
Um, you know, the average age of exposure now is eight to 11, right? So you, you can't wait until they're 15 to have that conversation. They've already heard about it. Um, so multiple conversations ratcheting up with age. Uh, and I think the key there is just always be open, right? You're never going to be mad with them if they come in and they've discovered this and um, your willingness to engage in the awkward questions. And the thing that we have found that parents seem to suggest works well is um, kick it off by asking three awkward questions and just having it out. So your kid actually knows that you're serious about this and you're willing to engage with them on these topics, um, even though it's uncomfortable for you. Yeah. Can, let's dig in a little bit more about, um, we had mentioned in the stat, the, the sexting. And when I talk to kids about this, it's interesting to me because it's so normalized. Like they just go, well, everyone does it. Like, that's just how we talk to one another. It's no big deal. And for parents, we're like, what do you mean? This is a really big deal. Like, so when our kids just have this belief that we're completely clueless and out of the loop, how do we address it then? I think it's a perennial question of uh, raising teenagers. uh, And it's especially tricky in the digital age. It's such a good question. Um, look, social proof is powerful, especially for teenagers when they think that everyone is doing this. And you know, another stat I'll throw out there about sexting is that two thirds of 16 year old girls in this country have been asked to send a sext from someone they know. Yeah. Uh, and that was a stat that actually came about before the pandemic um, and all the lockdowns. I have to imagine it's, it's gone up um, considerably since then. But how do you address that? The first is to the extent possible, I think if families can try to ingrain a sense that like, Hey, you're, we're different. It's okay to be different. And I know that it's so hard. That's a, mm-hmm. that could be a poison pill to try and recommend as a parent to a kid. But I really think if you can ingrain that and inculcate that, it's like, we do things differently and that's okay. That can be powerful. The earlier you can start that, the better. The second thing I would say is the extent to which you can tribe up, find other families that want to do life with you that adopt mm-hmm. similar postures around technology, Um, more in terms of putting boundaries in place, which I think bleeds over into questions like pornography and sexting. But the more that you're able to do that, the more you can give your child a locus of normality that's distinct from this dominant, hey, everyone's doing it, just just go ahead and do it. Then I think the third thing, so that's kind of setting the table for it. And then there's the the direct head-on question, which is how do you make sure that your child understands the implications and ramifications of doing some of these things. Mm -hmm. And for that, uh, what we recommend is parents sit down with your kids and walk through what this actually is and how it manifests itself. Every week I talk to parents whose typically daughters have taken a nude photo of themselves and sent it out to a significant other, they then break up and it goes public. Mm -hmm. And it is devastating. It is devastating for uh, these young women and walking through that case study and what it looks like. And there are interviews of this on YouTube that you can find of girls talking after the fact. Um, I think that can be powerful because in the moment, if you have seemingly innocuous, like everyone's doing it, what's the big deal? And you have that counterexample in your mind, like, oh yeah, that's why it's the big deal. This young woman's life was, it's not ruined, but set off on a course that was harder. Uh, And is that something that you want? Yeah. I think that's really powerful in terms of being able to show them an example of how it's, you know, how it could impact them. And nothing that you said right there is about 
shaming your kid or making them feel bad about it because it is something that's normalized. And so we want to just make sure we help them understand and we understand their perspective too. So we can really address it from there. Um, I want to ask one more thing too, with your, when you were talking about your wife and her being a neuroscientist, cause I geek out on this stuff too. Um, explain a little bit, like how we can explain to our kids, just this power of addiction, because I think you're right. When kids find out that they're being manipulated, they're like, oh, no, you don't. Right. So how do we kind of explain that to them? So they get this idea of, okay, I want to fight against this. Yeah. Well, I think in, in this case, the social dilemma did a great job. And the visual metaphor that I have in mind is there is your adolescent teenager with raging hormones, trying to figure out their identity and how to navigate the world up against some of the top neuroscientists and cognitive psychologists in the world. And it's not a fair fight. And they've done all the research and they know so much about you and they are pushing all the right buttons. So that image of the control room and the three experts, you know, pushing buttons to get you to do what they want, I think is the helpful metaphor to have in mind. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing, um, and I will geek out a little bit. So dopamine is the, uh, is the chemical that it's the longing chemical. It does a lot of things. I'm going to oversimplify this, but dopamine is released uh, for craving when, you know, when you, someone likes your Facebook post um, or you're playing a game and you win. Um, and the more dopamine that's in your brain, they've discovered, it actually blocks the serotonin uh, receptors. Mm -hmm. Serotonin is a neurochemical that's like, deep contentedness. You could be cold and hungry and outside and it's raining, but you've just hiked a mountain or you've just invested in a relationship with a good friend. And you know, that relationship is just great. And you just feel so really fulfilled. The more dopamine you put in the brain, the less serotonin will actually bind. Mm -hmm. And so you're actually literally setting yourself up to lack the very thing that most people want, I think, crave at a very deep level. And part of it is because we're in that moment, we're all trying to find something, whether it's connection with another human, whether it's some um, entertainment or escape or whatever. And dopamine is so easy and serotonin is hard. Mm. And so it's natural. But explaining that to them does not mean for a second, look, instant gratification is a powerful impulse. But at least if they understand that and understand the trade-off, I think it will help them in the, some of those moments at the margins say, hey, this actually isn't giving me what I really want. And I want to get the thing that's really going to make me fulfilled. Not all the time, it takes time, but um, the more you can put that framework in place, I think it at least gives them a fighting chance uh, to move in a direction where tech is serving them and their intentions and not just harvesting their attention. Yeah, and I think this is powerful for adults to know too, um, because we can model that as well, right? So, because we're just as addicted to our phones as our kids are, I think. Um, and so being able to show our kids, look, we're going to put it down. We're going to break that and go do something else is really, really key. And Dr. Kim, if I could just say what, one thing. Please do. The, um, regarding the addictive elements. So there are many things that are addictive out there. Um, I think with respect to pornography, the one thing that makes it particularly problematic is um, innately we are hardwired, especially around 10, to start asking questions that sex drive starts to emerge. And it's one of the strongest natural impulses uh, that we have. And that combined with industrial strength um, hacking that comes from all these tests from big tech, 
is a very, very challenging thing for your average teenager to overcome, for anyone to overcome, honestly, Um, but for a teenager in particular. And so it's the power of the drive, plus just the industrial dose of uh, intentionality and manipulation that has gone into it that makes it particularly uh, addictive. And doesn't mean everyone's going to get addictive, but my goodness, far more people than you can imagine are. Uh, And there's shame around it, so it doesn't come up, but... Uh Yeah. And so part of what you, we want to inform and educate our kids and be on the same page of them and talk to them. But you also have a way to just kind of restrict some of the access to it. So tell us a little bit about what Canopy does. Absolutely. So Canopy leverages advanced technology developed in Israel that we think really gives you a chance to enjoy the good of the internet without the bad. Kind of two core breakthroughs that make this possible. The first is we trained artificial intelligence to identify nudity and pornography in text, images, and videos with 99.7% accuracy. So there's a machine out there that uh, can very quickly go through millions of photos and images and uh, videos and discern what's acceptable and what's not. Secondly, uh, we figured out how to do this in milliseconds in real time. The net effect of that is when you download Canopy, which is software, to a smartphone, tablet, or computer, as you browse the internet, Before the page populates, we're scanning every word, image, and video on the page to see if any of them contain pornography. If it's a pornographic website, we'll block it. Even if it's a brand new site created five minutes ago, never been scanned or tagged before, we'll just block it outright because we're assessing everything on the fly. The second thing, and this is something no one else can do, we're really excited about this, is we can filter out images and videos within a page. So the great example here is Reddit or Twitter uh, on the website. If you go to either one of those websites, there's funny content, entertaining content, there's serious educational content, and there's also pornography. And our software can pull out the bad. So if there's 20 posts that load on your screen and 19 are fine and one is bad, we'll just pull it out and we'll still serve up everything else that's acceptable. So we're able to do this in real time to ensure that we're not overblocking. Because if you overblock, it's going to create tension between the parent and the kid. That's what we really wanted to tackle and solve. And we think we've done a a really good uh, job moving in the right direction there. The second thing I'll briefly mention is we've applied the same technology to sexting prevention. Mm -hmm. So we have an opt-in feature. If parents designate, uh, our artificial intelligence is able to scan every photo that's saved to the memory of your child's device. So if they take a photo, the software will immediately scan it. And if it's problematic containing nudity, we'll issue a pop-up to the teenager saying, hey, are you sure you meant to take that photo? Because we want them to make the choice. At that point, they'll have two options. They can either delete it or they can send it to a parent for approval. So if it is uh, a sex, we hope the deterrent factor will prevent them. They'll just delete it. Um, but you know, let's say our software makes a mistake. Um, they're at the beach with their friends. They can send it to the parent, um, and then get the okay. And then it'll come back to them and they can use the photo. And we have heard, especially from teenage girls that they like having a tool that they can say, Hey, I can't send something. I literally can't send something like my device won't let me do that. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not the silver bullet. You still need to have all the conversations and do all the hard work of parenting, but it's a tool that hopefully helps teenagers navigate this world uh, and avoid some of the pitfalls that are regrettably common. Yeah, I I like that it just gives them that stop because a lot of times, particularly when we're teens, we don't have that cognitive function of saying, wait a second, is this a good idea? You just kind of go with it, right? So this stops that 
and says, wait a second, for them, wait a second, is this a good idea? Until they really start learning, is this a good idea? I love that. So Sean, how do people find you and Canopy? Well, thank you for asking. So you can check us out uh, at our website, which is canopy.us. There we, we talk about the technology, the challenge that we're trying to solve, uh, and our hope for how we can do this. We come at this with humility. We're really trying to equip parents and walk alongside them as they navigate this. Tech's not going away. We think it's great. And we want to make sure they have the resources, both in terms of knowledge and tools, to, to do it well. Uh, the second, we are on some of the social media platforms, Instagram or canopy.app uh, and, and Facebook as well. Uh, and there we try and uh, push out some content that just kind of helps people uh, navigate these issues uh, with a little humor. I know it's tough. It's hard. We try and give uh, some uh, levity uh, so that we go for it because it, it needs to happen. Yeah, it really does. So, Sean, before we go, any parting words of encouragement for parents with teenagers? Yes. Uh, Parting word of encouragement is this, you matter. You matter so much. And you may be greeted with eye rolls and shrugs and uh, shoulders turn, uh, but uh, we've actually done some of the research on this and the message gets through. Maybe not the first time, they may not outwardly convey it as such, but what you say and do matters. And I've had enough conversations with college kids who look back and they say, mom, dad, like, thank you. Thank you for doing that. So um, I just would wish you encouragement, be steadfast, go forward. It will be hard, but it's one of the great privileges of parenting is to actually like engage in this and like help them get to where they need to be. And we all, I think, want them to be healthy and happy and fulfilled. And what you say and do can make a huge difference. So uh, venture forward. I love that. Thank you so much, Sean. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 secrets for raising teens at AskDrCam.com slash parenting tips. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and the helpful strategy Sean shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.